0: Today's first reading is from Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9-12. through Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem! Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. And the battle boat shall be cut off, and he shall command peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea, and from the river to the end of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Hmm. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you God. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Amen.
0: We will now intone the psalm response.
2: The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And your compassion is over all your works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord. And your faithful ones shall bless you. They shall tell of the glory of your kingdom. And speak of your power. And the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures throughout all ages. You, Lord, are faithful in all your words and loving in all your works. And lifts up those who are bowed down.
0: Second reading comes from Romans chapter 7, verses 15 through 25. I do not understand my own actions, Mm. for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is, in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the Word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 11th chapter. Glory to you, o Lord. Jesus spoke to the crowd, saying, To what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came, neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him.
0: Is it's a yes. So, what are some of the things that you are really good at? What's something you guys are really good at? Sports? They look like what? The cross? A little bit? They got their arms stretched out like Jesus is on the cross? where the heck goes that. That's a clutch. Do, do they look like each other or do they look different? They look, like other, they, look like they look like each other, yeah. You. you know what's neat about the way that God made us? Sneak, you? And you're, are you going to sneak? Is that what you're doing? Great. But when God makes us, does He make us look just alive like this? Look out there. Do you see two people who look the same? Is that how? No? and then Olivia are twins, but they don't have Yeah, you're right. That's right, awesome. And Jesus did. He talks to him when he talks to people, and he notices that he is different from his cousin. You remember Jesus' cousin John the Baptist? When John the Baptist came to tell people about Jesus, John prayed by not him. And people didn't like that. They thought that was weird. And when Jesus came to tell people about God, he ate with, he had dinner parties with all kinds of people. He ate and drank and they didn't like that either. Hey. Okay. John didn't eat and they didn't like that. And Jesus ate and they didn't like that. These people came they were not having it anywhere. There you go. You you do that back the And, uh, when
2: God, Jesus put out, when God made us different things
0: all the same, yeah. We have different ways of talking to God and praying different ways times And we have different things that we do that God gives us as gifts. And you know what? Sometimes people aren't going gonna, aren't gonna like to like the way we do something. And that's okay. God makes each of us different so that we can all praise God in the way that God made us to praise Him. So you can praise God by dancing and by cheering. And you can praise God by soccer and by trumpets. And crosses and and dancing and sports and that's what God has given us to praise. Along the on, pray. Let's pray. Pray together. That's truth. That's the cross. Yeah. Dear God, thank you for all the gifts you give us. Thank you for making us good at lots of things. Help us to be proud. Of the gifts you gave, and to share your love with everyone you meet. Mm-hmm. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Alright, guys, thanks are coming out and talking. Hey, keep doing Okay, yes. Thank you. You can do Yeah, you can keep crossing the answers. I think we might have a future pastor in here. Mom, mom, this wasn't part of the sermon. Mom tells a story about one time when I was up at the uh, children's sermon at Redeemer in Columbia. The pastor Amundsen was telling a story about how you know we use fire, and he said, "What are some uses for fire?" And you know, some people said things like cooking, and some people said you know other things. And what she says that I don't remember is that I said, you can look into the fire and see the souls of your ancestors. You never know exactly what anyone is going to say in a children's sermon, and sometimes you preach the sermon, and sometimes they preach to you, right? We, uh, you know, a, a less silly but more, but more real example that really does pertain to today's sermon is uh, when I was a pastor at St. John's in Lexington, which was my first call. There was a... Uh, There was a woman in a family who I I really wanted to do a good job being her pastor. And so I went to visit her in in her nursing home. She wasn't a member. She was the mother of a member. A mother of a member who, and also my mom had been the organist at this congregation for a few years before I served as pastor. And mom had been good friends with this woman. And so I really wanted to do a good job, not just to make this woman happy, because I wanted to make mom proud, right? And so I walked in. And I walked over to her bedside and this even though it was my first call, I had experience doing visits. I had been a hospice chaplain for two and a half years. I did a lot of home visits, a lot of nursing home visits. I had done a year of CPE, I had done a lot of hospital visits. You know, I had I had done a year of internship. I was getting good at this pastoral care thing, and so I walked over to her bedside and I went to set down my Bible and I knocked her water over and it spilled over the entire bedside table and Wet up her crossword book that she wasn't even halfway finished with, which did not ingratiate me to her. You know, and, and then I was sorry, and we cleaned it up. And then every time I visited her, it was one thing after I could not do the right thing to save my life. I was trying so hard, and I just could not ever do anything right with her. Needless to say, I visited her about three times, and then her daughter very graciously said, you know, I think my mother might be just fine. It, it happens sometimes. You know. And then, and then there are those times when you're not looking for it. I was, uh, I was leaving an LCY event. I think we were staffing a retreat, and we went to the Waffle House, which is where we always went after we staffed an event. And there was a guy in there, and he had a mohawk that, I don't know, was some non-natural green color at that point. He was wearing a bicycle chain around his neck with a padlock that later on I found out that he had worn for years because he lost the key for it. And at this point, it had been all long enough that his neck was starting to turn a little bit green, you know, and, and he heard us talking about camp and Jesus, and so he told a, a joke that was off-color about religion, and my friends got, got offended, and they ended up leaving, but I got curious, which is kind of normal for me, and, and ended up sitting down and talking to him. We talked about religion, about how he had grown up as a Catholic and left it. We talked about what his life was like. We ended up striking up a friendship that's lasted over 20 years now. You know, I wasn't looking for this, but sometimes things just kind of fall into your lap. It's, it's amazing to think about how hard sometimes we try and just can't get anything right out of it, and sometimes how we're not trying at all, and we just have relationships with people fall into our laps that we never would have dreamed we would have had because we wouldn't have imagined ourselves being friends with those kind of people. And from his perspective, he certainly wouldn't imagine himself being friends with someone who wanted to be a pastor. From my perspective, well, I was known to hang out with people with mohawks anyway, so it wasn't all that out of character for me. But, you know, I I read this passage from Paul today. The good that I want to do, I can't do. The thing that's bad, that's the thing I do. You know, I've I've had so many times in my life where I have just wanted to do the right thing and find the one way or another. I I usually because I run my mouth a lot, it's that I've said something. But I've I've said something or I've done something that just makes it absolutely impossible, or I've said something that that offends somebody and drives them off, or you know being human, broken a promise, or or let someone down that I care about. You know I remember uh, when I about that same time was uh, I was I was just in college. I went to college for about half a semester, and decided ah, college is for the birds, I'm making six twenty-five an hour working at the Waffle House, I'm rich, what do I need with college? And as, as one of my pastors very gently put it, and, and you all know the one, you know, Eric was off exploring the fruits of the world, and uh, you know, I, I worked and I did my thing, and I certainly wasn't really looking to do anything really productive, I just wanted to kind of figure out how to be me. But every time I'd go home and visit mom, as much as she loved me and as much as she wanted to be proud of me, she was so hurt by the fact that I was squandering an opportunity the way she saw it. And it just it made it so hard for me to be able to live my life and to, and to be the person I thought I was supposed to be. And so part of the reason I went back to college was because I recognized that I really did, at some point in my life, want to be a pastor, and in a Lutheran church that requires college. But a big reason that I went back to college is I want a mom to be proud of me. And uh, I'd always been the kind of student who wasn't able to sit still in class. You know, that story during the children's sermon, that moves into my time in, in elementary school, in high school, and in college. I have trouble saying the right things in the right context. I have trouble sitting still. I have trouble studying. I have trouble paying attention to anything that I'm supposed to be pay attention to when I'm in a school setting. And so... You know, even though there were classes that I did well, I always, about half the semesters, had a grade that I had to bring home that I wasn't proud of. You know, I was trying so hard, but I just couldn't, I couldn't do the things I thought I was supposed to do. Fortunately, I had parents with a lot of grace and understanding, and I did make it through college and eventually seminary. But, you know, it's, it's like that in a lot of relationships, isn't it? We want so much to make the people we love proud of us, to, to show them what kind of good person we can be. To show them you know just how proud we can make them and we fail, I remember the first time I had an argument with my wife after we got married we were you know i I had actually planned ahead for a change, and I had printed off the map to get to the place in Charleston where we were staying, and we were about to get off the interstate, and I was following the map well, actually she was following the map but I was following what I thought the map said, and you know we ended up getting in a fight about which exit to get off on the interstate. You know, we were expecting this great romantic time and we were off on our first adventure and how do we get to our honeymoon suite? Fighting. You know, not exactly what we we'd expected. I I find so many times in my life that I that I feel like I'm having that kind of out of body experience where I hear the words that are coming out of my mouth and I wonder how they got there. <laughs> Because they're certainly not the things I intended to say. I think when Paul's talking about this, you know, I don't do the thing that I want to do, I do the very thing that I hate, I think that's what he's talking about. He knows what his intentions are, he knows what his hopes are, he knows what he expects of himself, but he just keeps falling short. And, you know, if you're if you're anything like me, I, I know I'm not the only one who has what I call the loop. And and the loop is every embarrassing thing that I've ever said. You know, for instance, when I was about seven years old, I was at my grandparents' house, and it was about a month until my birthday, so I, I was starting to assume that everything that looked like a present belonged to me. And someone walked into my grandparents' house with an armful of presents, and I said, oh, great, I can't wait to open those. And she looked at me, a woman I'd never met, and said, well, these aren't for you. You know, oh, that's embarrassing. Or... You know, and it, every hard thing I've ever said or every mean thing I've ever said or everything that, that I've thought about that I realize I should be embarrassed about thinking about or everything that I've done that was hurtful or the, or the things that I've done that are insensitive, and there's a list of those. You know, that, that loop that plays in my head that, that reminds me that I can't ever seem to get it right, can I? And, and I hear the truth about myself in this loop, about what a mean, nasty person I can be. If anyone knew what was in my heart, how could they possibly love me? Because I want to do what's good, but I just can't. You know, that's that's a hard truth, isn't it? It's a hard truth to live with that I just constantly disappoint my own expectations, and that's not even getting to anyone else's expectations. And I think that you know, I, I'm not alone, certainly, in feeling that. And we hear in the gospel today. I think Jesus saying something that rhymes with this. Jesus says, "Well, John came not eating or drinking, and y'all said he had a demon. I come drink, eating, and drinking, and you say that I'm a glutton and a drunkard. You say that I make my that I make friends with tax collectors and sinners. You know that it reminds me of this old saying that I used to hear a lot that I don't hear as often. Damned if you do, damned if you don't." You know, I think Jesus was experiencing this, right? Jesus came and he was, he was coming in a much more socially acceptable way than John was. You know, the thing that we all, that I love so much about John was he was following God's call to ministry in a way that was very unique to him. He was living in the desert and wearing camel hair and probably, especially given what first century hygiene must have been like, might not have been very pleasant to be around, you know eating wild locusts and honey, and God imagined what his breath might have been like at that point. But, but he came with a word that was faithful. Then you have Jesus, who comes in a much more socially acceptable way, talks to people at dinner parties, but they're the wrong people. You know, he goes and he accepts the hospitality, but it's the wrong kind of food and the wrong kind of drink. You know, and, and even worse, Jesus sees the laws that the church is using to oppress their people and Jesus chooses people over the law. Jesus is breaking their customs. Well, nobody likes that. You know, and so sometimes it's not even that we're doing something bad. Sometimes we're doing something good in a way that other people don't like. And isn't that the worst sin? You know, it's it's the difference between should we have the baptismal font up front or should we have the baptismal font in the back? Should we have an altar against the wall or should we, have, should we have an altar out in the middle? You know, there's nothing wrong with either of those until you walk into a building where, an, where, an, where a piece of furniture is resided there for a little while and try to move it, right? The And it's it's always interesting to come into contact with these places where we have that kind of resistance, where everyone's trying to do good things and they get in trouble for it. And then... A different kind of truth floats around about those people, doesn't it? They're just stirring up trouble. They're just doing this. They're just doing that. And of course, we would never do it that way. The problem with all the truths that I've talked about right now is all these truths are subjective and they're all one sided. You know, the truth about the real of the things that I've said and done. Sure, I've said and done those things, and I've thought those things, and and they are representative of ways that I fall short. But they don't represent the totality of who I am. They don't represent the person who I hear that I am that's maybe harder to believe because it's easy to believe those things about ourselves that are bad but it's hard to believe the truth that God tells us through the waters of baptism, that we are beloved, that we are worthy, that we are people of worth. I've always wondered why that's so much harder for me to believe than the idea that I'm kind of a jerk. You know, I've, I've always been more ready to accept that truth about myself. But the other truth is that God sees those things that I do and am embarrassed by, and that I say, and embarrassed by. And God sees those places within my heart and within my life where I am unfaithful and doubting. And God sees those places in my heart where I am hard-hearted and refuse to forgive. God sees those places in my heart where I have something on the tip of my tongue that's just a zinger that I know I can get that person with, and I say it. But God also sees the potential in me to be loving and caring and welcoming and to say things that don't hurt but that heal. And God sees all of this in all of us and loves it all. And this is the truth too, isn't it? I think this is the truth that that we fight over in, in our hearts, that we fight over in the church that we fight over in our society, that we fight over in our government, that we fight over in our culture, that we are not just those people who have that hard truth that's told about us, but we are a people who is loved. We are a people who is valued. We are a people with worth. We are a people who, because of what God is working in us, are worthy. I, th- I think... One of the reasons that we have so much trouble getting along together is because we have so much trouble believing this worthiness of each other. And and certainly we have trouble believing that God can love that thing within me that's broken. How do we get to this truth? How do we get to this truth and begin to live into it and believe it? When, When Jesus says in the gospel today, I am gentle and humble of heart. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You know, what Jesus is calling us to learn and what makes his burden easy and his yoke light is that the God who loves us loves all of us, every part of us. And our call is to learn how to live into that. It's a call that we begin to hear at baptism. When the pastor makes a sign of the cross on our foreheads and says, you have been marked by the cross of Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit forever, we receive a new family, a new name, a new identity. We are no longer bound by those things that trip us up in our daily lives. We are no, we are no longer bound by our doubts and our fear. We are no longer bound by our shame and our sin. We are no longer bound by those things that loop in our heads that tell us who we really are. Because the truth of who we really are is fundamentally changed in the waters of baptism. And we hear for the first time the promise of what God sees in us the promise that we are children of hope. We are children of a covenant. We are the ones who are called through water and word, through bread and wine, through word preached and taught that we are called to go out and preach this truth that God loves the world to the world who needs so desperately to hear it. To a world that's fraught with war, we preach love for enemy. In In a world that's fraught with conflict, we preach prayers for those who persecute us. In a world that tells us that only people who work deserve this, we hear the God who says, I will provide for those who are hungry in a world where we hear everything telling us why we're worthless, we are called to go out and preach the good news that we live in a world that God is creating and calling good and preach the good news that this world is a world that God values. When we go off in this place this week, how is it that we can set down those things that we think tell us the real truth about ourselves And instead lift up those truths that God is telling us about who we really are. About who we have the potential to be. About the world that God is creating and bringing to new life in which we have a part. Because the truth about the world is different too. The truth about the world is that it is a place that God loves. For all its difficulty and for all its brokenness. It's a place that God is calling into new life. When we leave this place today, how is it that you're going to be a part of that new life? How will you speak the truth of God's love into the world that needs to hear it so desperately? And how is it that you can hear that truth that God and others are speaking to us and begin to believe it? Amen.